This is everything you want to know about non-clinical careers for physicians. For Third Evolution, I'm your host, Robert Pretty. Today's podcast is the three P's of physician career transition. Conversations with new clients always seem to begin one of two ways. I'm told either I know what I want to do, but I just don't know how to go about doing it. Or I'm told I have no idea what I want to or can do. Where do I begin? For me, after spending more than 30 years working intimately with physicians to improve practices, change careers, and even start businesses, I found the process is always the same. The three P's. Focus, package, and process. Okay, so I spell the artistic focus, that is P-H-O-C-U-S. Besides, how catchy would one F and two P's have sounded anyway? So it's the three P's, focus, package, and process. Depending on your position on the career change spectrum, your involvement with each phase may differ, but you will need them all. Even physicians who say, I know exactly the job I want, usually lack the level of focus necessary to support their goal. And frankly, even those physicians usually change their minds when they realize how much more broad are their real career options. But that goes to the definition of focus. I define focus this way, as being able to tell me what work you want to do with a level of functional detail that allows me to understand both work function and work process. For example, if you state to me you want to be a vice president of medical affairs, you need to be able to tell me two things. First, what type of organization, a hospital, a health system, pharmaceuticals, biotech, where do you want to apply your skills? If your response is any of those would be fine, well, that's the wrong answer. Anytime any or anything is your answer, it's the wrong answer. The reason is that in defining a job, a job function that is, any or anything is exactly the same as nothing. In other words, you must be able to explain your link to that type of organization. Why does that type of organization versus another type make sense? Why does it seem logical to the listener? Second, be able to tell me why. Why do you want that job or that type of job? Your response must be clear and must answer a question to solve a problem or achieve a goal. So in a vice president of medical affairs job, Working with a provider organization, for example, your answer could be, well, one, because I have great passion and skill for improving effectiveness and satisfaction among physician groups, or because I believe medical staff governance too often fails to fully involve physicians in key decisions within the organization, and I can positively affect that, thereby improving both medical staff relations and organizational performance. In other words, You need to be able to tell people in your network, those are people you add to your network, both what you want to do and a snippet of how you would be successful. And note, how you would be successful equals a process, whereas why you would be successful equals a quality. Process is more tangible, but both are elements necessary to building your package. Let me interject a brief sidebar here relative to determining your focus. I am today reminded of the years between about 1998 and the early 2000s. Many of you may recall the implementation of HIPAA. During those years, you could attend a conference or educational program on HIPAA virtually every week and not be surprised to see 500 or more people in the audience. Everyone was a HIPAA expert. 
everyone was a HIPAA consultant. Today, COVID-19 is emerging as the new consulting niche. Like HIPAA, it will be flooded initially, but that's not a barrier to entry. It is actually an invitation. Second, like HIPAA, I predict both supply and demand will grow over the next year to 18 months, and then the market supply will begin to thin out. Demand, however, will re remain. This is a Bob Pretty prediction. It's also a recommendation that some activity associated with managing social distancing in work environments, sterilization processes, PPE supply change, contact tracing, and any vast number of other COVID-19 related health and business issues may be both of great interest and great reward for physicians. Now back on point. The second P is packaging. Packaging or personal professional branding is how you differentiate yourself from others in the market. It's how you set about to define yourself in terms a new employment focus will understand and embrace. Your CV is probably not your package. Some packaging elements I produce for clients include resumes, letters, stump speech, phone script, business card, PowerPoint presentations, face sheets, websites, business plans, brochures, demo discs, and a variety of other elements. There can be more things as well, but it's most likely you'll need some, not all of these. Regardless of the packaging or branding elements, what is their content? First and most importantly, packaging content must be consistent. That is, you don't describe yourself as an operations guru in your stump speech, yet list only patient-related issues on your resume. Whatever range of material and information you decide or need to use, make sure each component supports all the other components. So what is your content? Your content is your accomplishments. I receive CVs or quasi-resumes regularly. If they contain any information outside the typical chronology of education, training, and practice, coupled with some committee appointments, it usually sounds like this. I am a highly motivated, hardworking individual. I have extensive experience as a leader in, a, in healthcare organizations in addition to non-clinical skills on committees. First, does anyone, even the biggest slacker in a group, define themselves as unmotivated and not very hardworking? Of course not. How much value do you place on another physician's statement? I'm in the top 10 of physicians in my specialty. The questions are the same. Hard worker, by what measure? Top 10%? Based on what? Hollow claims of prominence are meaningless. Actually, let me retract that. In some ways, those idle claims do have meaning. When I'm reading a resume and I find a paragraph or two or bullet point list making those claims, it means to me you probably hired a resume writer who told you these were great key search words. Those resumes go to the bottom of my pile. So back to what your content should be. It should be your accomplishments. If you want to state that you're a motivated hard worker, then state it through an illustration. That is, say, I put myself through college and medical school. I worked two outside jobs while still graduating in the top 5% of my class. Or, based on reported cases, I performed 10% more surgical cases than the next highest performing physician on staff, and 30% more than the production average. Now, you're a motivated hard worker. Content, then, is accomplishments, and regardless of what Woody Allen has memorialized, just showing up is not an accomplishment. 
The accomplishments you use as the foundation of your packaging need to reflect not only just where you were, but further, and more importantly, why you were there and the outcomes, the value, the results of your presence. Think about the things you believe you've accomplished in your career and ask yourself, why did you do what you did? Using the previous surgical example, did you perform more procedures because you were committed to building a successful practice? Did you do more procedures because you had special skills that placed you in greater demand? Or perhaps did you perform more procedures because there was an urgent patient need? Each is a legitimate example, but different. And each says something more and something different about you than when you simply showed up and claimed to work hard. After you complete your list of accomplishments, then categorize them. What do they mean at a more generic and descriptive level that relates to the career path, the jobs, in which you're interested? Again, using the same example of high surgical volume, based on the reason or reasons, the broader category could be business development. It could be clinical quality. It could be financial management. It could be leadership, team development, any one of numerous broadly applicable strategies that contribute to the brand you want to convey in your packaging. Now, in your new resume, your stump speech, your website, social media, each element of packaging you use reflects key elements of those accomplishments. The only thing remaining of your packaging is to select and produce the range of material you decide to be important. Now, on to the final P, process. Physicians regularly work in a realm of two entirely different types of processes. The first process is the process by which you became a practicing physician. That process had a defined endpoint the day you began and specific milestones necessary to move through the process. And to reach each of those milestones, you had a separate and distinct process to implement. You knew exactly where you were in each phase or process at every minute right up to and into practice. And today, highly defined processes continue. Office or surgery schedules, CME requirements, board exams, the processes are continually placed in front of you. There are not many decisions or many options. The processes from the day you said, I'm going to be a physician right up until you turned off your office light today have been pretty rigid. However, the other type of process that consumes much of your life is that of managing your patients. That is, managing each patient and his or her different set of medical issues and concerns, medications, conditions, procedures, education, and compliance. Patient management isn't rigid, but rather fluid and malleable. It's evolving diagnoses, different reactions to medications, situational interventions to address emergent disease, and ongoing and evolving management of chronic conditions. In career transition and management, it's that second approach to process that you're going to be focused on and implementing. Successful process is predicated on strategic planning and situational awareness. It means having a goal, but realizing many paths may lead to that goal as you advance. The goal may also mutate into an even more attractive outcome. It's about being dedicated without being rigid. And like with a patient, it's about realizing that sometimes you make the wrong turn. And just like with that patient, you correct your plan and diligently move forward. Today, in particular, process demands creativity and a willingness to step away from traditional avenues to implement career change. I've long advocated to clients the need for networking over applying for jobs. Literally, any type of applying, whether filling out unending online applications or making direct contact with corporate human resource offices. 
there are numerous reasons for not doing this. They range from the unlikelihood that any job will exist to the high likelihood that even if a job does exist with an exclusively or principally clinical background, you simply won't be able to meet the printed or published criteria for the job. And when your application is predicated on what you put in print, what you publish about yourself, that will obviously be the primary source used to define your qualifications. The other reason I've spoken about this is that any existing or open job you find is a job that most likely was vacated by someone else. And that someone else and the existing job description become what you'll be measured against, not how you might want to present yourself as a value to the organization. Your objective is always to be in the same room with the people you want to work with and work for. It's that simple. That is your constant objective, and you achieve that objective through networking. Today, that room is likely virtual, however. Today, that room may be a webinar, a phone conversation, or a Skype call. There are both upsides and downsides to digital networking. The downside is that it is often more direct. Attending a webinar or a web conference may put you in a digital room with several hundred or several people you don't know. With several hundred, you're unlikely to be noticed. With several, you better have something to say. However, using my research interview process, you have an opportunity to step into the right rooms and to step in with the opportunity to be regarded as an expert. Although I produced an entire podcast on the research interview, to briefly summarize it here, the research interview is predicated on your presentation of a telephone or Skype or FaceTime interview with an industry expert. Your premise is to ask that expert a short series of questions important to his or her business and industry from which you will then produce a white paper and an outline for an informative presentation. You should endeavor to speak to 12 to 24 people. Using this process, you'll find that you have accomplished five critical objectives. First, you have met 12 to 24 people important to your career transition and industry leaders. Two, you've positioned yourself as an expert relative to the area of questioning you pursue. Three, you've ended up producing a publishable paper. Four, you've also produced a presentable presentation. And five, you've created at least two additional follow-up opportunities with each of those new networking contacts. One follow-up is to vet the draft paper, and the second follow-up is to offer to present your results to that contact or to his or her team. Certainly, you can see the further value in publishing a piece of work. Others will see your work. Your networking will expand. You've created a platform for further networking once social distancing shrinks to what I'll call conference supporting levels. And at some point, and again, whether digital or in person, conferences and seminars will resume. When they do, if you've already put in place a strong digital-based branding strategy, your career transition will be ahead of the curve. Now in summation, when you lay out the three P's, put them together into a series of activities. Allow about two weeks to determine and develop your focus. That's two weeks of considerable thought and research. Google your ideas, Google jobs to get a sense of the market and expectations and requirements, and focus during that time principally on you. Focus on your interests, your skills, your knowledge. The second P, package, give yourself two to three months. 
When I'm working with a client, I plan on six to eight weeks to accomplish this set of goals, but I'm much faster at developing this material than you, so give yourself some time. But don't hand your CV over to a resume writer and think you're ahead of the game. I've seen so many resumes prepared by very good and well-paid resume writers developed for physicians. What I've never seen is a good one. You, doctor, you are a different challenge to resume writers, and constructing a resume for you to take into the non-clinical world is very specific and very special. Lastly, the process. Expect to spend a very active 9 to 14 months. If you're not active, that is not spending three to five hours each week working on networking and communicating around your career objective. Expect it to take longer. As I noted previously, process at this moment is mostly digital. So build your network based on the digital methods that work today. But be ready then to go face-to-face when programming restarts. If you manage your digital branding well during the next 6 to 12 months, you may find a new set of conference opportunities present themselves. There you have it, the three P's of physician career change, or the one F and two P's if you're a purist. (laughs) Regardless, too many people today are retreating or thinking they're stuck until our healthcare and economic environments change. No, your opportunity to change is right now, and the necessary steps are the same as they've always been, Only the means of those processes have changed. So start working on your three P's and you'll find that your career transition will take off right now. As always, if you have questions or comments about this podcast or any podcast, don't hesitate to contact me at 720-339-3585 for voice, message, or text. Until next time, this is Robert Pretty for Third Evolution. Thank you for listening.